Good afternoon. You are listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and via podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Brought to you by our news team, Alexandra Fernandez, Chancellor Miracle, Chris Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Dinah Jansen, Erica Singh, Alex LaRue, and me, Kareem Mosna. Exactly two weeks to go until Municipal Election Day. All eligible voters must be registered to vote. You can confirm your information at cityofkingston.ca slash vote. Online voting is available until 8 p.m. on voting day, Monday, October 24th. Voters must be registered for online voting by 5 p.m. on voting day. Your voter information notice will contain your unique voter identification number along with instructions on how to obtain a PIN number to access online voting. Now, advanced voting is open starting next Monday, October 18th, running through the 22nd. Advanced voting locations include Rideau Heights Community Center, Kingston East Community Center, Portsmouth Olympic Harbor, Invista Center, Isabel Turner Library, and the Central Library. The advanced voting hours include on October 18th and 19th from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., on October 20th from noon until 8 p.m., and on October 21st and 22nd from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. Kingston Transit and Kingston Access Bus will be offering free transit to electors on both advanced voting days and on voting day during voting place hours. You must show your voter information notice when you board the bus. The free transportation will be for registered users of that service only, and when reserving their transportation, the elector will have to identify which voting place they are going to. The Kingston A Strings, along with the Kingston Youth Strings and the Kingston Youth Orchestra, have announced a new collaboration with Sistema Kingston. This school year, the Kingston A Strings, conducted by Kingston Symphony violinist Danielle Lennon, will be running its program at Molly Brandt School alongside Sistema Kingston. Sistema Kingston provides outreach, offering a free intensive after-school program through group-centered music learning for elementary students. Director of Sistema Kingston, Karma Tom, says, We are excited to collaborate with the Kingston Youth Orchestra programs to create a pathway for Sistema Kingston students to pursue their interests in string ensemble and orchestra as they grow on their musical journey. The Kingston Youth Orchestra consists of the Youth Orchestra, Youth Strings, and A-Strings. The orchestra is made up of high school students who are developing their ensemble skills and possibly considering a career in music. Youth Strings is a feeder ensemble for the string section of the Youth Orchestra, while the Kingston A-Strings is an introductory ensemble for youth string musicians. Daniel Lennon, the conductor with the Kingston A-Strings, says, This new partnership will allow our community to grow and to continue to nurture young musicians beyond the elementary school years. Our aim is to see A-Strings and Systemic Kingston students thrive as musicians and set their sights on joining the Kingston Youth Strings, the Kingston Youth Orchestra, and beyond. On Tuesday, October 18th, the award-winning documentary film The Secret Marathon will have a special screening in Kingston at the screening room. The film tells the story of the first woman in Afghanistan to run a marathon. Secret Marathon film co-director Kate McKenzie says we were heartbroken to hear the news that the Taliban had taken over Afghanistan. Many of our friends and contacts are still not safe and are facing threats due to promoting gender equality. Seeing the influx of new Afghan refugees to Canada, we felt now was the time to share with the world a different perspective about Afghanistan through our film. Oftentimes, the only things we hear about Afghanistan are stories of war, poverty, and terrorism. Yet it is a beautiful country with resilient and hospitable people. The film inspired a global run and walk event called The Secret 3K. According to a release from The Secret 3K, 
Kingston is one of the marquee locations of the event, and on International Women's Day on March 8th, hundreds of people in Kingston and thousands across the world will lace up their runners to show their support for everyone's right to run free. The National Race Director of the Secret 3K and Kingstonian Tara Williamson says we are thrilled to have the opportunity to screen this phenomenal documentary here in Kingston. You don't need to be a runner to appreciate this story of resilience. To learn more and to purchase tickets, go to secret3k.com. St. Lawrence College received a donation of equipment valued at $150,000 to be used in several skilled trades programs. The donation was made by Ytron, designer of warehouse and logistics systems. This marks the first time that Ytron has entered into a partnership of its kind in Canada. According to a release from SLC, the equipment will support experiential learning in programs including mechanical technician, industrial mechanic millwright, industrial electrician, and general machinist on SLC's Kingston campus. Also, SLC plans to launch a new mechatronics program in the fall of 2023, where students will also benefit from this state-of-the-art equipment. The specialized equipment includes turntables, chain conveyors, barcode scanners, sensors, reflectors, brackets, wiring, frequency controllers, control panels, safety components, and more. Applied Science, Technology, and Trades Dean at SLC, Daniel Leo, says, In today's high-tech and automated environment, technology changes quickly, and our goal is to educate our students in the current work environment and to be prepared for the future. We are grateful for the donation of this equipment that helps us provide up-to-date materials and supplies to create the best learning environment for our students. Ytren actively recruits from the college's wind turbine technician, electrical engineering technician, and mechanical technician programs. Last year, Ytren hired 12 SLC grads. Providence Transitional Care Center is celebrating its one-year anniversary. The PTCC, located in the former St. Mary's of the Lake Hospital down at 340 Union Street, is a 64-bed facility providing specialized inpatient services. The care is designed to promote and preserve wellness and functionality in older adults with a focus on transitioning people back to their home in the community. Director of Transitional Care and Chief Nursing Executive Darcy Woods-Fournier says, Our goal is to help people remain in the community for as long as possible, so when they come to PTCC for care, we develop a care plan based on their specific needs and help them with their activities of daily living while supporting their return to wellness as quickly as possible. Since its opening in the first week of October in 2021, Providence Transitional Care Center has served 234 patients. Of those, 65% went home with or without home support, 10% went to long-term care or retirement homes, 13 patients were transferred to Providence Care Hospital for higher intensity rehabilitation, while 77% came from Kingston Health Sciences Center or other acute care facilities. And that's your local news rundown on Today in YGK. Now over to Cindy Gibson for your local artist to watch. I'm Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call with this week's Artist to Watch. I know I can speak for a wide spectrum of Kingston music fans when I say we are excited for the month that local 18-year-old artist Luella has ahead of her. She debuted her first single with us on the Indie Wake Up Call and she took some time to break down Luna. I started kind of like really delving into um, music, obviously during quarantine with my dad. We, um, he has his own recording studio, so North of Princess Recording Studio. And um, it was just a big project for us to just, you know, start making music. It's always been a dream of mine, and we finally had the time to do it. So um, Luna was um, 
it kind of came after a stint in which I had lost like a lot of energy just mentally and and physically and I had actually stopped playing music for a good three months I just like couldn't bring myself to do it even like doing things like I enjoyed like just took too much energy so it came after a long period of that where and finally you know my parents always tell me you know when you're going through something hard they're like just write a song about it like write it down and at the time I was like yeah okay whatever like I'm not gonna do that but then they were right and I just felt like it made it things so much better just to like you know write it out even like originally I wasn't even gonna like release it it was just for me to you know kind of cope with everything that I was feeling you know and um yeah Luna sort of came to me it was like calling back to um, my past self, you know, because I kind of felt like I had lost myself for a while. So um, one of the big lines is, um, I miss me, where is she? So I I think that that's a really strong one in there. Um, And it really speaks to the whole message of the song. Like I had just like lost a piece of myself and I I wanted to to get her back and to be back and enjoy things again. Um, And so I remember I played it for my dad and he was like, we have to record this. Like, and uh, we did like the first take and he was like, just all the emotion there. He was like, this one has to be the only vocal take we use for the song. In the end, I was like, no, I think I can do better. But um, that really speaks just like how powerful the, the moment was and everything. Now, as you can imagine, Luella's schedule is full. Music videos are being shot right now. And she's planning a full album release show this November. I highly recommend you follow Luella on social media to keep up and follow her journey. I expect big things. I'm Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call. Check in next week for another artist to watch.
And that was Luella with Luna, this week's local artist to watch. Thanks very much for that, Cindy. Now it's over to Campus Corner with Zayden. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Campus Corner. I'm Zayden Vergara. It's time for your campus news headlines. Thanksgiving marks the start of reading week at Queen's University. A week without classes or lectures to allow undergraduate students the opportunity to de-stress, catch up, or get ahead in their studies. For students who are staying on campus for reading week, and are either in residence or have a meal plan, make sure to check the university's updated hours of operation. This Friday, October 14th, Queen's University hosts Canadian business leader Wes Hall for a special fireside chat moderated by Nigel Masunda. During the hybrid event, Wes and Nigel will discuss a range of issues, including their work with the Black North Initiative and its mission of ending anti-Black systemic racism through all facets of society by utilizing a business-first mindset. Wes Hall will also provide insight into his new book, No Bootstraps When You're Barefoot, My Rise from a Jamaican Plantation Shack to the Boardrooms of Bay Street. For more information on this evening of inspiration and promise, go to law.queensu.ca slash events. Last Friday, CFRC celebrated its 100th birthday by hosting a plaque unveiling ceremony and a meet and greet at the grad club. This momentous milestone brought many of CFRC's alumni back to the station to reconnect with friends and co-workers and to share their fond memories at CFRC. I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to talk with award recipient Jim Birch, who has been broadcasting at CFRC for over 40 years. Here are some highlights from my conversation with Jim. When you had your first live broadcast, can you remember the type of things that were going through your mind? I was very nervous. Uh, I was shaken. Uh, and I thought that uh, there were thousands of people listening to me, but uh, like John DeFever said on WKRP, just pretend there's only one person there. And I did that after that one show, and I was fine. You know, uh, I've been doing it since 1980. We had uh, towers just next to us here on Fleming Hall. They're all gone now. Uh, and I used to have to go up and turn the transmitters on. Uh, now it's all electronic 24 hours a day, right, in 1990. But before that, 
from 1980 to 1990, uh, I was running up there every weekend, uh, turning on the towers, turning on the transmitter, you know, uh, yeah. warming it up for 20 minutes or so, and then going back up there and turning it on, you know, flipping it on. There was a lot of work to it back yeah. then, you know, and then it would go off the air a lot of the times because it was very hot up there. Uh, in the transmitter room, and they didn't have air conditioning. They had the windows open. Didn't really help it too much, right? Because those those uh, transmitters are very hot. They run hot, right? And uh, usually they have fans in them, but they're so old they didn't have fans in them. <laughs> they had tubes. You remember tubes? Yeah. Uh, yeah transmitter we, we tubes. Got a display on that at Stoffer. Yes. Yes. And uh, so yeah, you had to do that. And uh, when it goes off the air, you had to have some music playing down here. Uh, <laughs> So that when you turn it back on, there was actually something there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that happened quite a bit in the summer when we had uh, 30, 40 degree temperatures uh, back then. But, uh, you know, I, I, thank, I thank 1990 because it, it changed everything, you know. I, I was actually the one that shut them all down. It was very the emotional. Final time? Yes, it was a very oh emotional goodness. time. I was on the air uh, doing a little show there, uh, and the last song was uh, by Edward Bear, last song. And we signed it off, and very emotional. I actually have a picture of me signing it off. Uh, the, the transmitter, me there at the transmitter site, right. you know. So, uh, yeah, uh, little did I know that it would be, you know, gone, and we would start again in stereo, right. you know, because we were in mono before. It sucked. <laughs> uh, some songs you couldn't put on because they were in stereo. It wouldn't. It wouldn't go from left to right channel, right. obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it was. It was sort of. It was sort of uh, echoing on the air, mm-hmm. and it really sounded like crap because usually the left channel would go sing some stuff, and the right channel would sing some stuff, and on AM it wouldn't do that. So uh, Except when you have a broken headphone, that's right. Oh, no good. That's right. No good, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's. It's great fun. Um, it's. It's got me through a lot of stuff, and. Uh, Here's to another 100 years at TFRC. Thank you so much. All right, thank you, sir. For my full talk with Jim Birch, check out the Today in YGK podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or at cfrc.ca. Over the weekend, I learned that no matter who you are, you have a home at CFRC, and the radio station has a history of producing fond memories here at Queen's University. Now, over to Chris and Chancellor with more on campus news. This week for the community update, Christina had interviewed Christopher Zachary, of the Cataraqui Conservation Area. To get us started, do you just want to introduce yourself and your role at uh, Cataraqui Conservation? Yeah. So my name is Christopher Zacherly. I am the Supervisor of Communications and Education at Cataraqui Conservation. Awesome. And for the folks who don't know, what do you guys do at Cataraqui Conservation? Um, we do a lot of different things. So most of your listeners will probably know us for a lot of our events. Um, so we put on public programs, which include like Maple Madness, um, programs at the Outdoor Center on the weekend. We have guided hikes. We do ski and snowshoe rentals in the winter. Um, so a lot of people know us for that arm of our business. But Cataraqui Conservation also um, has planning staff, administration staff, conservation land staff. Um, and our goal is to work with our municipal partners in our watershed. Um, to help uh, conserve and preserve the the environment. That's awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned hiking as one of your activities. And this month on October 1st, you guys started your hiking challenge. So did you want to get into that a bit? Yeah. So we're really excited to start our hike challenge again. We're in it the sixth year of it. 
um, which is great. We've seen a lot of um, people in the area take part and discover some new trails and new conservation areas right in their backyard. Um, so yeah, this year we got a little bit later start, but we start October 1st and it runs all the way through till November 27th. Awesome. Yeah. And what can folks expect from these hikes? Like where are you guys going? How long? Yeah. So this year we kind of wanted to change things up, make it a little more fresh, more kind of user driven. So this year, the challenge is hike any trail at any of our conservation areas and go to maybe your favorite trail or maybe discover a new trail. And when you're out walking, um, take a photo that illustrates something cool you saw on the trail, why it's your favorite trail, and then head over to our uh, photo contest page for the hike and upload your photos. So we have two kind of challenges going on. There is the full challenge, which is to hike um, eight trails. Um, and then there's the half challenge, which is four trails. And in the past, we've called this our family challenge uh, because there's a lot of families with little legs that might not be able to do some of those longer hikes or intensive hikes. Awesome. Yeah. And you mentioned there, there's the photo contest along with it. And there's also prizes for that, right? Yeah. So our photo contest, um, once you've done each of your hikes, so the eight or the four, uh, take a picture and then upload that to the photo contest page. And we're opening that up to anybody in the watershed who wants to vote on their favorite photo. So a favorite photo from the full challenge and a favorite photo from the half challenge will get a prize pack. And that includes, you know, some of our Cataract Bay Conservation merchandise. There will be an annual pass in there, maybe a couple um, ski rentals. And then we're also going to take the, the runners up. So second place and third place. Um, and they will be uh, getting an annual pass to Little Cataraqui Creek Conservation Area. Oh, super fun and excited to see all those pictures. Those are going to be gorgeous. And how do people sign up for hikes? So people can sign up by uh, visiting our website. It's cataraquaconservation.ca. And right there on the homepage, you'll see a photo that says hike challenge starts October 1st. Click on that and it'll run you through all of the rules. And then you just have to fill out a quick uh, registration form and hit the trails and hike. Awesome. And have hikes already gotten started? As of the first? They have. We have um, 49 people registered so far this morning, which is great. And I think we have about six or eight photos already up on the photo contest page. So um, take a look at those. There's links to both of those on our webpage as well. We would like to thank Krista Fasakri from the Kingston Conservation Area for the interview opportunity. Now over to Zayden with the sports. Good evening, everyone. I'm Zayden Vergara, and welcome back to your CFRC Sports Desk. I hope everyone had a good weekend because I know for a fact that our Queens Golden Gales sure did. To start things off, on Thursday the 6th, the men's basketball team had an exhibition game against the St. Lawrence Surge where they solidified a comfortable 90-52 victory. Last Friday we had two closely fought matches for both men's and women's soccer teams. Both matches against the Nipissing Lakers resulted in a tie. The women's rugby team proved why they are still undefeated this season when they played against Trent winning 125-0. The Gales women's hockey team came out on top in their match against the Carlton Ravens with the score of 4-2. The men's lacrosse team beat Carlton to further add to their winning streak against the Ravens, bringing the total to 16 straight wins. On October 8th, we saw many wins from our Gales, starting with the women's lacrosse team who took it to Trent with an 11-7 win and Ontario Tech with an 18-5 win. The women's field hockey team were matched against McGill for two games, winning 2-0, then tying 3-3. Looking at our undefeated men's rugby team, they have added another win onto their streak Saturday, winning 64-19 against the Brock Badgers. The Badgers are the second team to manage to score a try against the Gales, 
after the McMaster Marauders scored the first try against the Gales last week. Yesterday, we had two men's baseball games resulting in two big wins. They beat Carlton 10-2 and Ottawa U 14-2 to finish off a Thanksgiving Sunday. That's it for Queen Sports News today. Have a good Thanksgiving, everyone, and now over to Dinah with the weather. Thanks so much, Zayden. And now it's time for the CFRC weather report. Tonight, we're expecting a few clouds with a low plus one with some patchy frost. Tuesday, October 11th, we're seeing sunny skies in our future with a high of 18. And at night, clear skies with a low of 10. On Wednesday, October 12th, we'll have a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 19. And that night, it'll be cloudy with a 70% chance of showers with a low of 14. And now over to Alexander Fernandez with the City of Kingston traffic report. Thank you so much. I'm Alex and I'm here with your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Garrett Street will be closed from Division to University until October 16th, which is this coming Sunday. King Street from Place d'Armes to the Tragically Hip Way will be closed October 12th. Lower Brewer's Swing Bridge will be closed until further notice. Stephen Street from Montreal to Patrick will be closed until October 31st, as well as Stephen Street from Patrick to Cowdy. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until January 21st, 2023. And Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until January 31st, 2023 as well. The following streets are closed from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays until June 29th. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Third crossing road work is still going on on Highway 15 at Gore. Paving is scheduled for this week. The east portion of the bridge is scheduled to be paved on Tuesday and Wednesday this week, weather dependent. The surface layer will be paved on Thursday, October 13th on Gore Road from Highway 15 to the bridge. Traffic control staff will be in place and traffic delays can be expected. Access to the Pittsburgh Library will be maintained. Traffic signals at the intersection of Point St. Mark and Gore Road will be operational. And access through the south leg of Point St. Mark at Gore Road remains closed until December 2022. Access to the library parking lot has been moved to the new entrance at Point Street Mark. And access to the Pittsburgh Library will main be maintained at all times in the parking lot. And the cycling and pedestrian signals have been activated to assist cyclists and pedestrians in crossing the road at Gore Road and the Highway 15 intersection. Other delays that you can expect, front road from Sandy Bay Lane to Country Club Drive. You can expect some traffic delays due to a lane reduction to a single lane in each direction. Highway 2, 300 meters west of Abidon to 300 meters east of Abidon. You can expect a lane closure until October 28th. Jackson Mills Road near the KNP Trail will be reduced to one lane. Johnson Street from Barrie to Clergy, you can expect a lane closure until October 14th. And Sandy Hill Road, city limits to 5 kilometers west of city limits, you can expect delays until November 16th. That's your weekly traffic report. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we are going to throw it over to Dinah with our events calendar.
Thank you so much, Alex. And now it's time for this week's CFRC events calendar. Beginning Tuesday, October 11th and running through October 14th, the Isabel Bader Center hosts a free Art for All exhibition and balloted art sale featuring selected works created by artists from Kingston and beyond running this week at the Isabel's Art and Media Lab. Visit queensu.ca slash Isabel for more information. Students on campus over Reading Week can also stop by and say hi to Pet Oscar, the St. John's Ambulance Therapy Dog in Mitchell Hall from noon to 1 p.m. on October 12th in the Lower Atrium. The AKA Autonomous Social Centre at 75 Queen Street will also host its queer and trans co-working space on October 12th from 1 to 5 p.m. where snacks, coffee and tea will be available. Award-winning artist Alex Cuba is coming to the Grad Club for a performance on October 12th while he's on campus to also receive an honorary degree from Queen's University. Visit thegradclub.ca or follow their social media for ticket information. And local drag queen legend... And local drag queen legend Miss Tiffany is hosting her birthday party Saturday, October 15th at the Grad Club at 162 Barry Street, featuring special guest DJs, Tiger Styles, and a drag cabaret throughout the night. This 19-plus event starts at 8 o'clock. Learn more at Tiffany.com. And that's a wrap for today's CFRC events calendar and a wrap for our program today. Join us for more local news on Wednesday at 5 p.m. on The Scoop. And don't forget to subscribe to the Today in YGK and Scoop podcast via Spotify, iTunes, Deezer or Stitcher for the latest in campus or greater Kingston area news. From all of us on the CFRC news team, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.